Hello. Hi. Welcome to Cafe with Strangers. I'm your host, Moni. And wow, it's been a minute. It hasn't really been that long, but it feels like it has been. I am finally back on my extended release medication for ADHD. I was out of it for like three weeks. And I always forget because duh, I'm forgetful when I don't take it. But <laughs> I forget how disorganized and how little I am able to get done when I don't take it. I mean, I had my backup, my immediate release, which is fine because it helped. I'm still going to probably put out an episode <laughs> every one to two episodes a month. But you know what? I am trying. I am very trying. Anyways, so for today's episode, I'm going to talk to you about Hispanic versus Latino. Or I don't really want to say like Hispanic versus Latino. I just honestly haven't thought of a better way to describe it this yet. Sometimes I'll just throw in like a random like this is the vowel and then I'll come up with a better title. Yeah, that hasn't happened. And I've been working on this for a while. And there's a lot that I have been working on for a while. But here we are. Here I go. I have two teas right now with me because one of them I'm trying for the first time and I'm not too sure if it's going to taste good. So one of the teas is a loose leaf cacao tea from Spinnaker Chocolate. I got it here in Seattle and I was like, screw it, I'll try it. And I got it like two weeks ago, a week ago, and I haven't tried it yet. Um, and then I also got this like um, oat milk that's cinnamon flavored that can be steamed for beverages. And so I'm like, mm, this sounds like it's going to be either really delicious or really gross. So I'm kind of waiting for it to cool down a little bit and steep so I can give it a try but I'm gonna be so excited if this tastes really really good and in case I didn't like it I made myself a yogi tea and I thought it was really cute what it said because they tend to come with like little messages notes makes me think like of a fortune cookie and it said we all want to be understood to be acknowledged to be loved and every single time that I'm having these teas and I'm trying to record, whether I actually record it that time or redo it a different time, anyways, every single time I get this, the tea, I feel like it's very fitting with whatever it is that I am doing. Um, and it just feels very fitting. Enough dilly daddling. Dilly diddly daddling. Dilly diddle daddle. Dilly daddle. Wow. I said I'm not back on my medication. I'm still, and it's it's wearing off for, for today's dose, but it's, I'm not as chaotic as I can be. That's not bad. It's not terrible. It tastes like chocolate, like hot chocolate, but instead of using milk, it's water, but it's a little bit better. Maybe I just need more more of the milk in there. Anyways, actually, it's not too bad. It's not too terrible. I have a cupcake in there that is um, also calling my name that I think this would go very well together. All right. Anyways, Hispanic versus Latino. What is the difference? Is there a difference? You know what? Honestly, before I started looking to, into this, had you asked me, is there a difference between them? I would have said probably what I have known what that difference was. No, not really, no. Um, 
it is used interchangeably or like i feel like it's always been used inter- interchangeably but the significant differences are pretty kind of significant um yeah they can be pretty significant so hispanic is defined as those from spanish or spanish-speaking countries so it excludes brazil french guiana guadalupe guadalupe martinique haiti saint Bartholomew, saint martin and even though hispanic is like the most commonly used term and then latino latina it's defined as individuals who live in or descent from latin american regions latino latina it includes those that the word hispanic excludes the only thing it excludes is spain and this is also it's the second most commonly used term which honestly i was a little surprised because i thought latino latina would be but i guess sure kind of kind of makes sense before i get into the history behind hispanic and latino the pew research center had a survey that was done and the survey that was done in 2015 it said that um, it found out that 17% of Hispanic adults said that being Hispanic is mainly a matter of race, while 29% said it's a ma- mainly a matter of ancestry. Another 42% said it's a ma- mainly a matter of culture. And then a survey that was done in 2019, it found that 47% of Hispanics most often describe themselves as, or most often describe themselves by their family's country of origin. While 39% use the terms Latino or Hispanic, and 14% most often describe themselves as American. So, history behind Hispanic. So, the term was adopted by politicians in the 70s, though during this time, most people weren't familiar with the word Hispanic. There was a woman by the name of Grace Flores Hughes who worked as a secretary in what was known as the Department of Health, Education, and Welfare. Welfare. And she coined the term, though there is a professor of sociology at UC Berkeley, um, G. Cristina Mora, says that it's possible that the word Hispanic was used before Flores Hughes, like, coined it. The first time the federal government used that word, Hispanic, it was in the census in 1980. There were decades of lobbying and protests that pretty much ended up helping to push this forward. And I will kind of get into a little bit of that in a little bit. Um, So that professor from UC Berkeley said that it took the debates from the 70s, the protests of the late 60s, to get us to 1980. So the identity of Hispanic was gaining traction in the 80s and 90s. But that census, the 80 census, came under scrutiny in the 90s for its connection of, like, Spanish colonialism since the word Hispanic was listed on there. As for Latino, so Latino, the word existed before the 1960s. It is pretty much like short for Latino Americano. There was a Colombian writer named Jose Maria Torres Caicedo who helped popularize that word Latino. In the second half of the 19th century, the abbreviated words Hispano and Latino were used in California among the Spanish speakers, but eventually they were kind of like replaced by those words. The term Latino gradually re-emerged in English and it appeared in books and even in a 1970 White House diary entry by Claudia Ladybird Johnson. In another early example, a March 17, 1973 issue of the Black Panther Party's newspaper 
described a program drawn up by a, quote, action group composed of black Latinos and whites, end quote. By the year 2000, Latino was on the census with the question, is this person Spanish slash Hispanic slash Latino, question mark. When I started getting into Hispanic versus Latino or like this topic, I didn't really realize how related the census had to do with this. So it was, it was interesting. Um, so a little bit about this, the census is that before the 1980 census, when the word Hispanic was listed on theirs, those of Latin American descent were considered, were considered Spanish speaking, having Spanish origin or white. And the problem with being listed as white is that there wasn't really any data to provide, to prove that the communities needed resources. And the Census Bureau was facing lawsuits that had undercounted minority groups, including Spanish speakers. In the 1970s, most Spanish speakers in the U.S. were usually one of three. Mexican-American, Puerto Rican, or Cuban-American. Puerto Ricans and Mexican-Americans were interested in having brown as a category, but it was complicated because of the diverse origins of Spanish speakers. There were rallies that occurred in the 60s to get like a unifying term that would help get Hispanic slash Latinos representation and governmental support in education and healthcare. And this was stated by um, Catherine S. Ramirez, who was the chair of the Latin American and Latino Studies program at University of California, Santa Cruz. They took like decades of lobbying and protests to help push it forward for the word for a category to be listed in the U.S. census for Spanish speakers. The Hispanic identity rise was influenced by the National Council of La Raza, NCLR, and the NCLR was a Chicano organization and it modeled much of its work on Black civil rights organizing. There was an option for African Americans to basically identify themselves on that census, and they were able to use the data from the census to help back up their arguments on, on things that they needed or like to statistics that they were trying to prove in terms of like unemployment statistics and everything like that. But Mexican Americans, the Chicanos there, they didn't have the information or the facts to help prove like, hey, this is an underserved population in this area and we need help because this and that. And so that was the whole issue of, there was one of the many issues of trying to get the sort of acknowledgement in, in the census and, and such. Well, not just in the census, but acknowledgement. In 1976, the U.S. Congress passed a law that required the government to collect and analyze data for a specific ethnic group, the American Spanish, the Americans of Spanish origin or descent. And that legislation defined that group as, quote, Americans who identify themselves as being of Spanish-speaking background and trace their origin or descent from Mexico, Puerto Rico, Cuba, Central and South America, and other Spanish-speaking countries, end quote. This includes 20 Spanish-speaking nations from Latin America and Spain itself, but Portugal and Brazil, they weren't. And, like, the census has done a lot of attempts to try to organize how they have their census thing. In the 1930 census, the race question had a category for Mexican. Just Mexican. There was at one point Central American was an option 
but then it was dropped because people who were living in the middle center of the U.S. would mark it off because they thought that's what they meant by like central part of America versus Central America, like Guatemala, Honduras, you know. So when I was like looking into this whole census, the census and everything like that, I personally do not like to identify with the word Hispanic. It's been like that for a while. I just, my own personal thing, not a fan of it. And so when I was like doing, ever since that, whenever I list what I identify as or whatever, everything like that, I pretty much try to avoid being listed as Hispanic. And here I was thinking, hey, you can't list me as Hispanic. I'm Latina or Mexican. And no, but then the way that the census is, because um, I looked a little bit into it. Yeah, pretty much. Basically, if it falls under their category of definition, you're going to get marked as Hispanic. Anyways, moving on. So the Office of Management and Budget, the OMB, they developed standards for collecting data on Hispanics in 1977, and it got revised in 1997. Schools, public health facilities, and other government entities and agencies use these standards to track how many Hispanics they serve, and that was the primary goal of the 1976 law that was like made. I am going to be saying Hispanics when the information, the things that I got it from said Hispanic, just because I want to accurately relay what they were saying or what, yes. So yeah, in 2023, the OMB Working Group, they sought a public feedback on a proposal to combine the race and ethnicity questions that get asked in federal surveys, like the decentennial, decentennial census. The proposal would act checkboxes for Hispanic or Latino and Middle Eastern or North African. And the officials hope that the change will reduce the number of Americans to who end up choosing the some other race category. They most specifically are looking that towards towards us Hispanics. The review of the proposal is scheduled to be completed by this summer of 2024. And then the changes that are approved, they're going to be implemented in the 2030 census along with other bureau census stuffs. There was some public feedback that included concerns that combining those questions would lead to an undercount of the nation's Afro-Latino population. So a little bit talking about the NCLR. NCLR. Yes, the National Council of La Raza. So with the new information that they were able to get from the the census, they were able to use that to make these arguments about the economic marginalizations of Hispanics in general. Um, and then the NCLR eventually actually changed its name to Unidos US. I was not expecting for Univision and Telemundo to pop up as part of the information that I was going to read, but those networks helped unite the like Hispanic Latino communities. The um, so Univision initially showed in San Antonio and LA, but then ended up expanding into more of like the East Coast. And they ended up kind of creating this, like, generic Spanish language manual. Because, you know, we, those of us that speak Spanish, it's very different depending on the area that you're from. And so they made, like, a more generic way, generic one that pretty much can be understood by most of the Latinos that speak Spanish. The data they got from the census on Hispanics 
it helped with their marketing and expansion. So talked a little bit about Hispanic, those origins, and then Latino, those origins. And I wanted to get into a little bit more of other types of identifications, other ways of identifying. And one of them is Chicano. So there is a few theories of like its origins. I'm going to go with two or I'm going to talk about two that I found. <laughs> One theory is that it comes from Mexicano. According to David Bowles, author and professor at the University of Texas, Rio Grande Valley, says that some Nahuas, those that were indigenous speakers of the Nahuatl language, would call their language that, Chicano. Another one, uh, another theory is like, it's a hypochorism. And I had to Google that because I was like, what the hell is hypochorism? It is a nickname that shows affection or closeness. And some examples are when you are called Nacho, when your name's Ignacio, Chela, Graciela. There's a lot that I'm thinking of now, like with family members. My dad had a lot. Enrique, Kiskiriskis, Kinkin. Anyways, why they, I don't see a lot of these. I'm just like, how do they come up with it? I don't know. Hypochorism. And another possible one would be of a hypochorism was Mexicano, Chicano. <laughs> one of the first mentions of Chicano was in print in 1911 in a Spanish language newspaper called La Cronica. At that time, it was used as a slur against quote, less cultured, quote, Mexican-Americans and recent immigrants. Bring in the 1960s. It wasn't used by every Mexican-American, but it did gain traction. And there were some that were using it as a way to reclaim the word. And the ones using that were more so the Mexican-Americans who were fighting for the civil rights. One of the things I definitely wanted to also get into was talking about Latinx. Because, goddamn, a lot of people do not like that word. If it's if it's not Latino, Latina, man, there's a lot of hate with it. So I'm like, let me look into it because I don't know much of that history of that word. Like, honestly, like with Hispanic, Latino, I didn't really either. So I'm like, let me get some knowledge. Let me inform my noggin. Knowledge, noggin, that kind of rhymed. So getting into this, I also wanted to dig a little deeper into other words. I don't know how else to describe it other than other words like Latinx. I wanted to get a little bit more information and get informed about where did it come from in a sense. And so Latinx, it is a gender neutral alternative for Latino Latina. There is a lot of hate to it. A lot of people who have heard of it don't like the term. A lot of people who, there's not a lot of people that identify as Latinx. And there were a couple of surveys that were done by like the Pew Research Center that basically the people that knew about it or familiar with it, it was a small amount. It, it's not that very well known and it probably explains why there's so much hate with it because it's not as well known. But why do people hate it so much? So they say it's too difficult to pronounce. That's like the most number one reason a lot of people say. A lot, there are people who say that non-white Latinos created the word to label Latinos 
and people say that it's colonizing the language. There is an institute that handles the consistency of the Spanish language called Real Academia Española, and they said that having Latinx is unnecessary because they handle the Spanish language. So that professor that I mentioned a little bit ago, Professor um, David Bowles, said that the word was made up by people, by the people who use it, English-speaking, queer, Latinx people, to use in English conversation. So a lot of people who are against a word, say it's difficult to pronounce, are referring to the difficulty in pronouncing it in Spanish. But it wasn't meant to be pronounced in Spanish. It was meant for English conversation. Um, and according to history.com, it's unclear when or how it began, likely though in the early 2000s, becoming more popular in the 2010s as the gender-inclusive label to be used in English. And this was actually added, the word is now officially part of the English dictionary. In 2018, Latinx was added to the Merriam-Webster dictionary. There's a couple also theories as to why this word kind of came up or how it started to come about. So one of the theories is that protests pretty much like inspired the word. In the 1970s through the 1990s, feminists pro protested and would put an X, X out the words that ended in os, like Latinos, amigos, hermanos. As Bao says, to quote, visually, Reject the notion that the default is the masculine. The other theory that I found was that it is related to the civil rights movement. It's a nod to the use of, of the X during the civil rights movements in the U.S. And I tried looking about the relevance about the letter X in the civil rights movement. All I could literally find is that it was that correlation to Malcolm X. I didn't go too much into a rabbit hole until this because I know how I can get with my rabbit hole, but the amount that I did look, that's really all I could find was just about him. And so there is a website, the Civil Rights Museum website. Um, Malcolm replaced his last name with X because it, quote, replaced the white slave master with blue eyes who imposed his paternal bearings, end quote. And the other theory that I found was the X in the Chicano movement. So the usage of the term is meant to place an emphasis on indigenous roots and reject colonization. There's a pioneer author in the field, Ana Castillo, who coined the term using Chicana instead of Chicana. So it's X-I-C-A-N-A -A instead of C-H-I-C-A-N-A. -A. And Chicanex was added to be more, more of the inclusive term. I got this other bit of information from a University of Wyoming professor, Francisco Rios, that the older Ch Chicano movement is a little bit more centered in race and ethnicity with strong male overtones. And then Chicanismo, it is working to recognize the multidimensional and intersecting nature of identities. So next time anyone asks you how Latinx is a colonizer word or something, the history says it's not. Now I gotta get into Latine. Latine is the gender neutral world for Latino, and it uses the E, the E, for ease in pronunciation more naturally in the Spanish language. And this came into popularity in the 1910s. 
didn't find that much history information about it. But people still hate it. You know, I understand why people don't like it. But when it comes with so much hate, like disgusting hate behind it. Wow. Anyways, I also ended up seeing like a brief mention of uh, a pronounced Latin owl used mostly like online. And by Latin owl, I mean L-A-T-I-N and the at sign. For a second, I only remembered what it was in Spanish. Arroba. The arroba. I feel like that there's a better way to say it in English. Anyways, um, yeah, I didn't want to go into a, a, a hole, rabbit hole with that word. But um, yeah, apparently that was a thing. So there was your little history lesson behind Hispanic, Latino, Latina, Latinx. 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 It's not that hard to say in Spanish. And I just accidentally said it like that. I wanted to end with a little bit of uh, of some information that I got from the Pew Research Center because it's quite interesting. I don't have the exact numbers on some of these things, so bear with me. So there was a, a 2015 survey that was with Hispanic adults that said 71% said that Spanish is not required to be considered Hispanic. And 84% said having a Spanish last name is not required. In a 2019 survey, 32% said having two Hispanic parents in an essential part of what being Hispanic means to them. In 2020, 2% of the U.S. adult population was made up of Afro-Latinos, and that was about 6 million people. And that 6 million made 12% of the adult Latino population. So 2% of the U.S. population are Afro-Latinos, but out of the Latino populations in the U.S., 12% of them are Afro-Latinos. And there's about one in seven Afro-Latinos that do not identify as Hispanic. And some of them, under the term Hispanic, it would, they would automatically exclude them just because of the word, the way that the word Hispanic is defined. Now, here is what was incredibly interesting that I really want to share. There was an error in the 2020 census. There was an error on how the Census Bureau processed its data, and it showed how certain people viewed themselves, viewed their identity in the U.S. So for Brazilians, more than two-thirds of Brazilians, which was at least 416,000 they describe themselves as Hispanic or Latino, and it was counted that way. Okay, 2020. That's almost half a million people. The number in 2019 was 14,000. The number in 2021 was 16,000. Did you need a longer moment to let that sink in? Because what in the actual... <laughs> More than two-thirds of Brazilians, that's over 400,000, they described themselves as Hispanic or Latino, and it was counted that way. If you looked at the numbers from the year before and after, it was 14,000 and 16,000, respectively. That is how they got accounted, they were accounted for. 30,000 more people with Filipino origin were counted as Hispanic or Latino that year compared to the 2021 numbers. 
and it was 28,000 higher with those whose origins are from non-Hispanic Caribbean countries, Haiti, Jamaica, Guyana, and the Virgin Islands. And from Belize, that number was 12,000 higher in 2020 than it was in 2021. Basically, 70% of Brazilians considered themselves to be Hispanic or Latino, compared to the 41% of those from Belize, 3% from Filipinos, and 3% of non-Hispanic Caribbean origin. Yeah, you can put down, it made me think like you can put down all you want or whatever it is that you want on the census. The census will, will put you in its own category. So yeah, isn't that fascinating? I don't know if fascinating is probably the right word to use, but that sure as hell was very interesting. And again, I, I swear if I just keep digging into these rabbit holes, I'm never going to come up with anything. I currently have... Besides this one, I have one, two, three, three topics that are very researched and I just need to finish them. That is the struggle with the ADHD is I can start something, but finishing it is the hardest. Oh my God. So I got more heading down your way. I literally just have to, the amount of research takes me hours, the recording God, I wish I could just record it on one go and then that's it. But no, I uh, I do at least two recordings. One's a practice run, I'd like to call it. And I am still going to be doing interviews with people. I just, um, I have really bad anxiety. And um, asking people to be on the podcast, like, it's really hard for me. So I have not been able to get myself to do that very much so. But these episodes are going to continue if you want to keep listening to them. I appreciate the patience. <laughs> um, I'm trying to be more interactive with this too, but I, there's a lot going on in life. We all, we all have, I think, a lot going on in life. Um, just when I have a lot of stuff going on, it makes it harder for me to, to get to this. Um, but it will be done. I shall continue to do this. I like doing this a lot, even if it's just for my own knowledge and stuff. Okay. I'm officially done here. I just accidentally exited out of my my notes that I was reading from. So yeah, I think that was the internet's way of telling me uh, you're done. So <laughs> thank you so much for listening. If I got anything wrong or need any corrections, please let me know. I will gladly correct myself. I hope you learned something new today. I hope you find this fascinating, interesting I still need to figure out a way to end these. One day. One day. One day. Will it be this year? Who knows? I don't know. But until then, drink your coffee, drink your tea, drink your water, stay hydrated, and do you, boo.